2: Welcome to Crimeland. I'm Julie J.
3: And I'm Shane Clifford.
2: And today we're talking the missing postman of Strapoli. Ever hear about this one, Shane?
3: No, I don't even know where where Stradbally is. Is uh, it in Meath?
2: No, there's a lot of strapperies floating around. Oh. Okay. This one is in Waterford. Oh, great. There is a strappery in Kerry. Just it's like maybe Gregory. that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, I'm from that's, Kerry. That's the pro- That's oh, I love you, Shane. Um so that's there's that one. But there's an even more famous Stradbelly.
3: County Wicklow, County Meath. Think Mayo. of
2: a very big festival.
3: Oh, fucking... Sorry, can I curse?
2: Oh, please, uh, of course. It's our uh, Dean Fulton. is it? is
3: um, Electric Picnic.
2: Electric Picnic in niche. And actually, a friend wow. of mine, shout out to the lovely B MacDonald. Uh, you probably know her fam run Dick Max uh, in Dingle. No, never you know, been. know the amazing pub in Dingle? Never been. Have you ever been to Dingle? No.
3: I was there once and I hated it and I left.
2: Do you know what? <laughs> you did tell me that before, actually. What was it again that you hated about? it? Just too touristy?
3: Touristy. And then another time, me and my girlfriend... Drove from Trudy on a Sunday to go to Dingle for the day. And when we got there, there was no parking, so we had to drive back home.
2: Oh, that is bullshit. (laughs) The parking (laughs) situation's fairly bad. It was insane. Yeah. And then my girlfriend is such a
3: straight arrow, she wouldn't park illegally anywhere. You know, I was like, park over there in front of the for the fire exit and she wouldn't do it.
2: Oh, for God's yeah. sake. I hate that. Are you a driver?
3: <laughs> no, can't drive.
2: You're a passenger. Okay. Passenger.
3: I'm too afraid to learn I to I
2: think I'm going to have to go. I mean, the penalty point situation is getting very extreme. So I think I'm going to have to go back to my perpetual passenger days. Oh, yeah? I'm currently disputing. I'm actually up in court next week um, on a few penalty points there. So... Um, I probably shouldn't talk about that anymore, no. but uh, yeah. Well, so, I'll let crime, you look, crime <laughs>
3: podcast. So, <laughs>
2: I'll let anything. you know how I got on, Shane. I can't believe you know what? I think you're the first person I've ever met who's ever been negative about Dingle, and yeah. that's what I love about you. <laughs> I just love that you dance to the beat of your own drum. Yeah,
3: I hate Dingle. I hate how everyone up the, down there is very stuck up.
2: Do you think so? I mean, we probably have
3: people from Dingle listening to this. I mean,
2: we're, yeah, I would like to think so. Yeah, so you
3: can cut it out if you want. But
2: but just now, look, I think, to be fair, I think we need a bit of context here. Do you want to, I mean, a lot of people probably know, but you want to remind people where you're from. Say
3: I'm from Tralee, which yeah. is about okay,
2: so this is when Dingle two hours switches away. Off. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's an a good hour. But you know, like you go, I mean, I find, and again, I don't want to, Tralee has really improved, but I can just remember for many, many years, we would go to Tralee, obviously if you needed a bra, like you'd have to hit up Tralee, like you'd Mm -hmm. have to go to Tralee, or text someone you knew who was in Tralee to get you a bra.
3: Yeah, Um, they don't have bras and dingles. You
2: didn't even have to know them very well. you just be like, could you just go in, I just need a plain white 36 C. That's all That's all I need from you. But I think I speak for the majority of Dingle people when I say, like, you would just when you're going back to Dingle in the evening driving past Blennerville, like, you would just literally you'd have to just let out a huge sigh of relief.
3: <laughs> what? Coming from So Tralee? I think what
2: I'm saying, the feeling, I think it's is mutual. mutual. Okay. But yeah, Blennerville, that. that windmill doesn't it just give you such joy? Yeah.
3: No, it's kind of depressing Not because... Not a fan
2: of the windmills. Okay. <laughs> it's,
3: it's never worked. It's never What is the on. deal with the windows? It's just for tourists.
2: It's just always been amusing. And the only thing I
3: liked about uh, Blennerville was the Jenny Johnston.
2: Oh, well, look, many time I was booking in for a bikini wax and yeah. they were like, the Jeannie Johnston, is it? <laughs> you know, I actually spoke with this on the Bandwagons podcast. I did have an intimate experience in that famineship. Because oh, you know yeah? they made it into museum.
3: Yeah, it's actually up here in Dublin now on the Is docks. it in
2: Dublin now. Mm-hmm.
3: I Funny. I had an interview for a job when I moved up a few months ago no to be uh, to be um a tour guide. Yeah.
2: You would have loved that, Shane. Oh, I would have been so good. On the famine ship. <laughs> I did have to laugh because shout out to my old, my old buddy, uh, Adele, down in Tingle, actually. Um, a lot of people choose to live there, Shane. And uh, yeah. she put up a thing the other day. She was uh, going for a walk uh, around the famine graveyard. And any time I've gone for an El Meander in the famine graveyard, it just gives me such an appetite.
0: Yeah,
2: I'm just dying <laughs> for a bag of chips after it. Oh my it's goodness. really, it's really fantastic.
3: They have a famine graveyard in Dingle.
2: Yeah, they've. Uh, sure, look, I think they've got a famine graveyard everywhere, don't they've,
3: they? I don't know. I've it's never been to one. A
2: graveyard where people die during the famine.
3: Do they have like headstones?
2: Ah, yeah.
3: There's one in Tralee. It's a just rock called here the.
2: I know, look, it's a great town to go out and all that kind of crap, but it's just nice to go back to Dingle, would be what I'd say <laughs>
0: about you.
2: <laughs> anyway, love you, Tralee. And please, please keep listening to the podcast. Um, so the missing postman of Stratpoli in uh, County Waterford, not the one in Kerry and not the one in Leash. Larry Griffin vanished on Christmas Day, 1929. He was a married man with four children, though living in KilmacThomas, his daily round commenced in the village of Stratpoli approximately eight miles away. Before becoming a postman, he was a soldier in the British Ar- Army and had but seen service in South Africa and France during the Great War. Wow. So we fought with the Brits chain is what I'm saying. You're out already. You're putting your coat on. I'm leaving. Yeah. In those days, delivering mail. Now, this is what I actually... There's so much about the story I find mad. But I found this initially. I was like, sorry, what? And I had to do a bit of a Google. So in those days... Uh, basically, the post was delivered on Christmas Day. Yeah. Isn't that mental, Shane?
3: Well, I suppose not mental,
2: but it's Christmas a bit odd. Christmas <laughs> Day, you'd still be getting your post. Yeah, I mean, this was
3: before, like, I tell you all Julie, back in 1929, they didn't have, like, the internet. So, you, <laughs> you know, so you'd have to, or even Thank radio.
2: God, you're here, Shane, because I was just about to in- reference an email.
3: Or even radio. So... uh Ah come on
2: they would have had a radio I don't think so R. he uh, wasn't there in
3: 1929
2: well that's true you but to they would have BBC But you know what I actually like listening to BBC yeah. the odd t- it's great it's for the music no. programs I think
3: um so the d- postman delivered on Christmas Day, is that what you're telling me?
2: Yeah, which I thought was kind of mad. And look, of course, it's Christmas Day, so he'd go around to all the houses and people would offer him a drink. When he didn't return yeah, well, home why that night... Yeah, he fucking did it. Yeah, I mean, I, of course...
3: Deliver me. Your man was like, <laughs> no, I had a day off. Your man was like, no, I'll do it. I'll, I'll I'll, work that day.
2: When he didn't return home that night, it was obviously presumed that he just stayed out on the lash. Like, yeah. it's the automatic presumption you make. The missing postman case became a huge test for the fledgling and inexperienced Garda Síochána, which had come into being in December 1922. So the guards were still finding their way. They didn't way. know
3: what they were doing. Do you sure know what I mean? that was after the, the War of Independence.
2: Yeah. Like, I mean, they'd only been around for seven years. <laughs> so, you know, they were still working it out, as we say, still phoning it in. On the following morning, St. Stephen's, Stephen's Day, uh, or as we like to call it, the Rans Day. Boxing uh, Day. Down in Dingle, Okay, get the fuck out of this room. <laughs> uh, oh,
3: do you do the Wren? Oh, the,
2: well, you well, you would say Stevens Day. Obviously, you're just being facetious.
3: What does facetious mean?
2: Like you you, you would do? Uh,
3: no, I I say Stevens Day. Yeah, ah, but yeah. I've do never, they say
2: Boxing Day? They wouldn't say Boxing Day. I'd say anywhere in Ireland, would they? They
3: probably would in um, Belfast, but in uh, Dingle, did you do the the ren yourself? <laughs>
2: Like back in the day, but I have to say I never I never really got it. Like the whole idea is oh, by the way, I love the Ran, but I always the miss the memo. Yeah. Or, or a wren, the, isn't it? It's a bird. But well, it's a wren, yeah, but I but guess But that's how you say, you say, say it in Dingle. Uh but I suppose you could say the wren, but generally I think people would say the Ran. But I guess you see, I was always trying to impress a boy in Dingle. Oh. In Verbi, Sometimes I mean it wouldn't always be the same boy. So I would always like have spent all the Christmas Day just fake tanning my face yeah. over and over again. <laughs> so I was precious in putting a mask on. So it would just be me in like a funny jumper or something. But it is great crack. Like the whole idea of dressing up and you're in disguise. And
3: I go to the pub on Stephen's Day in Trudy. And you've often got people coming in with a box of biscuits. Well, I mean, empty box of biscuits asking for money. Dressed see, as the Wren. Yeah. A Wren like boy.
2: People take the piss with it. Yeah. You wouldn't reach into your pocket in that situation, would you, Shane? And
3: give them money? Yeah. Of course I would. Would I mean, you? It's Christmas. I'm a benevolent, uh, nice person. you know
2: what? People give out about. Um, Heads, but you are actually really decent, trilly um, heaps. deep down beneath yeah. it all. I, yeah, so basically, the Stevens' day, local farmer found Larry's bicycle on the side of the road for about a mile from Strawberry Village. Now, the first suspicious. thing they noticed was, yeah, suspicious indeed, Shane. Um, but also, it had been raining all night, the bike was completely dry. Wow, stone dry. He notified the local guards. But, and I mean,
3: is that suspicious? How was the bike dry?
2: Well. But this is it. Like, how could it have been dry? Draw- like, that okay, is- well... I know what you mean. Like as in, okay, maybe the bike bike has just been placed there. (laughs) But how would it be dry when it had been raining all evening? Uh, He notified the local guards an investigation commenced headed by Chief Superintendent Harry O'Mara. Oh, Harry O'Mara. He was, I mean, great name, isn't it? He appointed two superintendents and two detectives to assist him in the investigation. The first indication of some, some kind of malevolence came when John Power, a local man, told him he had seen Larry Griffin missing postman in question Mm -hmm. and Garda Edward DeLay enter Wheelan's public house at about 6.30pm on Christmas day via the back door Christmas day drinking well this is it what via the back door
3: the back door they went in
2: and we're talking about a literal back door there yes. now. Uh Griffin, he's so not saying, only was this
3: guy delivering letters, he was also drinking <laughs> pints on Christmas. Day. He was Day.
2: drinking pints, full on. But you see, this was apparently the done thing yeah. that people will go to the pub and have a few drinks. And it was generally um it was generally uh, like uh the uh, sorry, I'm actually this is gas, but I watched uh, it was an Irish it was an Irish documentary, so it was Oscargus, so it was like I was watching it last night on this. So they were saying like La the higher people people in the society. So like the school teacher, the guards, the, guards, the doctor, the, the postman, because that was like seen as Civil a really servants, good job. Yeah, they would all all go for pints that day. It was like a special treat. So it was kind of like this uh, honorary thing to be allowed into the pub for a few drinks on Christmas oh, okay. Day, which I thought was kind of interesting. So they weren't letting any old Tom, Dick and Harry in.
3: Ah, yeah. so I wouldn't be getting it. So Shane, saying.
2: I'm sorry, but... <laughs> That's what I wanted to say, but okay. you said it. You'd Hang be getting in. Um, I mean, truly people are so perceptive. Okay, so uh, they went into the back door and then Larry Griffin, this local man, said that he was really drunk and he was being assisted by the guard. So this local man, John Power, also said he saw Garda Frawley and Sergeant, Sergeant Cullinan enter by the back door as well. Power Jesus, joined, so, so I all I mean, the guards. This was like the shittest back door ever, by the yeah. way, <laughs> Really, just a back door leading out into the square.
3: Yeah, because the guy was sitting there. What was he doing? Staring at the back door of the I pub mean, all day. There's Christmas always day.
2: a John Power, isn't there? Like yeah. he's there with his notepad, just Seeing taking who's names going into the pub of on everyone. Christmas day. Yeah, I what mean. a sad
3: bastard John Power is. He's nothing else to do except take note of who's going into the back door of a pub, doesn't he? Well, have to know his family. Always
2: one. Oh God, Pearl John Power joined. The, so John Power joined the gathering in the pub, and he saw a number of locals, including Ned Morrissey. You know Ned yeah. and James Fitzgerald enjoying Love the Ned. festivities. And you know what? I don't even. You don't even need to know anything about the anything more about those men. But Ned Morrissey and James Fitzger- Fitzgerald, like they're good time kids.
3: Oh, they're big, big, big party animals. Like you yeah.
2: go in, you see Ned and James are there. You say, you're like, I'm staying gonna, here. It's yeah. gonna be a good. You night. ring the wife,
3: tell her you're. You're not coming home oh for dinner.
2: <laughs> <I'm> not coming <laughs> home on Christmas fucking day. Like honestly, yeah. But these
3: were were men who who have been working hard all year. Do you, you know what? Know?
2: I don't know how more women weren't up for murder charges back then. <laughs> I would have fucking killed them. Another witness, Lawrence O'Brien, gave a similar account and also named those who were illegally in the pub. Chief Superintendent O'Mara and the investigate investigation team interviewed all the guards based at Stradbury, but he considered the statements obtained from them to be unsatisfactory. From and the guards, even, yes so this is where it gets very interesting even contradictory so they couldn't even get their story straight from the get go so obviously they landed down immediately after Christmas they were like this man is missing his bicycle has been found we know for a fact you're all in the pub and the guards were like what pub? like they really just Oh, so they
3: were like saying what are you talking about? They were they denying... Were,
2: they were could not even get their stories straight. They oh were denying goodness. it from the get-go. Garda Delay acknowledged that he had met Larry Graf- Griffin that evening. So he was the lad that people said was holding up, la- holding up Larry. Holding up Larry. But he insisted that Griffin was not drunk. So it was just kind of a friendly embrace. They were embrace.
3: having a... <laughs> Just a hug. It's Christmas, Have after a good all.
2: crack. Yeah,
3: it's Christmas. He what was just wishing
2: him a happy Christmas. Yeah. He said that he had accompanied Griffin out the Kil MacThomas Road for about a hundred yards and then returned to the village. So straight away, people were like, "Why what would you is do up that? At this? Day, yeah. Yeah. Why would you do that? Um. And also, Shirt later, materialised that he was having an off with the daughter in Whelan's pub. Who was uh, this the guard? Guy guarded delay. Yeah. Was so he married? He, he was, was he married? And actually, did they mention this in the thing? No, he wasn't married. He wasn't. So it's no. all
3: above board, really. It
2: was all above board, but it was still a bit sketchy because they weren't open about it. Oh, right, so just okay. a lot of, a lot of that kind of lingering, just yeah. a lot of lingering eye contact, shame. Oh,
3: I see. So th- had they consummated the right relationship? Now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd say, I'd like to think just a bit of a shift.
3: Okay. But shift? I, yeah, That's a very... Uh, a
2: bit of, apparently their place to go was the shed behind Whelan's Pub. What? Yeah, for the I L kept. shift. He denied, as did all the other guards being in Whelan's Pub that day. So talk about like world's worst criminals. So these who guards. was in
3: Whelan's Pub? Should they so were all know.
2: there, Shane. James Fitzgerald, another local man, told investigators that he'd been standing outside with this lad called Tommy Corbett. So you can remember that name. So Jim, how many
3: does Tommy... Nade, so basically there's 20
2: of them. Yeah. But the lads you should remember so really the ones you want to remember here are James Fitzgerald and Tommy Corbett. So t- he was standing outside with Tommy Corbett and a few other lads at around half six and decided to join the crowd in the pub. Fitzgerald, James Fitzgerald that is named a large number of people all locals who were in the pub including the local teacher Th- Thomas Cashin. Who Thomas to Cashin. Well.
3: So I have to remember Tommy, James, Ned. <laughs>
2: And this What's is the, name why of the fella? I've got a whiteboard. Okay. And now I'm going to ask you in a minute. I'm going to give you this marker and I want you to No wonder just nobody write could get their story up, straight. They couldn't remember <laughs> who the fuck was inside in the pub. The story goes that at some stage in the evening, Larry Griffin dropped some money on the floor and our fun kid, our old buddy, old pal, Ned Morrissey picked yeah. up the money. And Larry, at this point, was kind of steaming. And Ned basically bought. Around drinks with the money, with the money,
3: with the postman's money,
2: which I think we'll agree is fairly scabby. That is scabby, yeah. yeah. Uh, Obviously, around follows. Not nice. nice. I've lost
3: all. uh, Have
2: you deleted him as a friend on Facebook?
3: Yeah, yeah, he's gone from my life. Well, it's
2: going to get worse at some stage. uh, Again, all a bit sketchy, but it's generally accepted that Griffin, Larry Griffin, fell on his head and hit his head off the stove in the bar
0: he fell Uh,
2: yeah so there was a row there was a bit of a scuffle between Ned and Larry and he fell unconscious and basically died oh no and it (laughs) sounds terrible but the Ice Cur is the name of the documentary it is on YouTube compare
3: maybe I missed something how did he die how did he slip he was just pissed so
2: he was well actually it's it's very vague in terms of how it's enacted in the documentary, but they had a scuffle, but it's generally accepted that he was pushed and he hit his head off the stove and he just went unconscious and died. Oh, no. So Paddy Whelan, the publican, understandably, was absolutely freaking when this of course, happened. and as he said to Ned, what
3: a "Worst Christmas ever." Well, I mean,
2: for folk's sake, this is why we can't handle pubs being exactly. open in this country on Christmas, Christmas Day. Day. No. Like I Chaos. watch EastEnders, and I'm like, it can't yeah. happen here. You're kind like,
3: of jealous of them, though, when you watch EastEnders; they're all on the pub.
2: Yeah, are. But I always and I'm think stuck here then with my like we But But you know what, I I just think, you're just, Asher, look, poor old Nan, like, it's nice to hang out with her. You'd never see her for the rest of the year, Shane. You're really bad at texting. There's a reason for
3: it, you know.
2: (laughs) But look, it's Nan's big day. Uh, So basically, look, Paddy Weenan was freaking, and as he said to Ned Morrissey, which is fair enough, kind of, you know, synopsis of the situation. You're after killing the man in my house. Morrissey assured (laughs) Weenan everything.
3: You're after killing a man in my house. Yeah, Pros for like the
2: fairly accurate. Yeah, Ned Morrissey assured Whelan everything would be all right. P.S. It wouldn't be all right. Saying, "Look, we'll take Larry away and nobody will know about it," which is what we call an Irish solution to an Irish problem. Mm-hmm. Whelan. Uh, so look, you're.
3: Let me get this straight. They're after killing a fella. Yes, the whole town is there.
2: Yeah, well, oh, 20, twenty people. Twenty of are there. them. Hello, half of whom are guards.
3: Ten of them are gu- or whatever are guards. And their reaction to a dead man is to hide him. Why?
2: Well, I mean, okay, none of them were supposed to be there.
3: What, well, yeah. So it was
2: totally illegal to be in a pub on Christmas Day. So okay. I suppose the first thing they're thinking is, fuck, we need to get the body out of here because none of us are supposed to be in here. <laughs> it's fucking Christmas Day. But well, would you the not be more worried about closed. the illegality
3: of killing a man than having a Well, being, I guess there was pints? probably
2: a bit of that as well. I think it was probably like the guards were probably like, fuck, because we're actually here and a man has been killed. Yeah. we're not supposed to be in a pub first of all and now there's actually a murder has happened and we're just trying to have a few pints. Um, Paddy Whelan is like, fuck, get him out of this house because... They are like, not
3: today, it's our day off.
2: It's our fucking yeah. day <laughs> off. have a few like, pints. Like, seriously. Like, poor old, like, you know, daughter Whelan is like, you know, trying to make eye contact over the body. Like, it's, you know... Oh
3: my God. It's, it's just a, a lot sorted of... Sick. It's just
2: sordid sick. A lot of shifting, a lot of body hiding, Don't tell cetera. me they brought him down to the shed. Well... I mean, it probably would have been a better... Well, I was going to say it would have been better with, than what they did, but actually what they did turned out to be fairly effective. Uh, Wien and the Publican, and Cashin was the teacher. There was a guy, obviously, the Morrissey fella was after doing the deed. They put the body in the back of Cashin's car because Cashin was the only fella because he was the teacher, he was the only fellow who had a car in the village. Uh, Ned Marcy, How do you he, mean because he was a teacher? Well, because that was kind of generally considered like a really good job. Oh yeah. So Still he, is, I suppose. Teachers well, are loaded. There's a certain status. If I, I, suppose. I know teachers is
3: that they're really
2: rich. Do you know what I? I will say since I have gone full time, I do realise it's a very well paid job. Yeah. So I'll take that, truly. Okay. I'll take that. Okay. <laughs> um, of course, there's a lot of teachers in Dingle. Very, very kind well, of just a massive emphasis on education. I feel. Oh yeah. Yeah. So uh, we we love those holidays. And anyway, so look, they they piled poor old Larry Griffin, who's dead, into the back of the teacher's car. And Maracy was the one who accompanied Cashin in the car. And this is the thing. The body was disposed of. They drove off. They said, don't worry, we'll sort the body. Can you believe this, Shane? It has not been seen or located. The body. Even up till present day.
3: Christ almighty. Isn't
2: that insane? That's
3: a good job though. That was a teacher using his brain.
2: I mean, he was a geography teacher. What's he? He knew the lay of the land now, but oh, I, 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 bet I think you he geography was. would have been his special knows, topic. Uh,
3: what's it called? Orth? What's it called? Where you walk around the hill? Oh, Orthology? No. That's all,
2: I, all I'm thinking is origin and survey.
3: That's what I'm thinking of, yeah.
2: Is that a thing? Ordinance?
3: Ordinance. So you know the, the the where to hide a body, I think, is pretty much...
2: I think that's the whole point of junior search geography, though. Isn't that the kind of main emphasis of the course? I,
3: yeah, I, fa- I think... I, no, I didn't fail junior search geography. I junior I, my science. only
2: memories of junior search geography, um, I didn't do... Did you do for your leaving? Yeah. How did you get on? Do, uh, you don't know going to give me a grade, but how did you feel about the subject? Probably not great,
3: because I failed my leaving cert, so...
2: I think <laughs> I, I think, think pass said, but fucking now they need to I, I will say this they need to scrap the compulsory Irish for Leaving Search. I think it's so wrong that everyone has to do it.
3: Yeah but I failed Pass Irish you
2: know. Okay yeah.
3: They even have pass in the name of the thing and I couldn't still couldn't do it.
2: Well uh, you know Fred Fred talks about his experience of Irish at Leaving Search and I do find it very illuminating.
3: Yeah. It's
2: horrible. Um, yeah, I just think, I just think, if kids don't want to do it, why make them do it? It's not going to make them like the language not, anymore.
3: Um, just to bring Tell it back, the isn't that a, a dingle thing?
2: Well, you what you mean? Let it go? No, what well, you know? What I I do think? Well, actually, I listened to a fantastic podcast, Björn Reagan, with the lovely Dolly O'Shea. and he said, which I thought was so true. He was saying, okay, the whole Irish thing, like get rid of the books. Like, why are they sitting there writing, reading? Like, it should just be an oral subject that people would enjoy, that you're just having the chats in. So they teach it all wrong because the course is wrong and their hands are tied because the course is wrong. So whoever's putting the course together, I'm sorry, but...
3: You're idiots.
2: You are a fucking idiot because you're just really killing the grot. And I genuinely do think, I know it's controversial because it does give people jobs, but I think it should be a choice. Uh, Certainly after junior search, get rid of it. Oh yeah,
3: definitely. Well I
2: said years ago, do you know what I thought it'd be great and I think it would get a lot of reluctant learners involved. I said years ago it should be a cultural thing where they can do the sport to Irish. So if you want to do um, if you want to do Irish for your name search, you'd have an option maybe to do the spoken language. You'd have an option to do the myths and the stories like Coo okay. and the Fina, all that crack. Yeah. But you'd also maybe have a subject where you can learn handball, football, hurling through the medium of Irish. Wouldn't what? that be deadly? <laughs> You're most actually people, getting sick on your lovely most, jumper.
3: <laughs> most people that I know they're into handball and things can't even put a sentence of English together so how are they going to
2: do you know people are into handball yeah of
3: course do
2: you there's a handball
3: one of the biggest handball centres in Ireland is in Tralee and
2: do you know what they say that Tralee is a cultural vortex but that is so wrong. (laughs) Anyway (laughs) so where were we? Oh yeah so So Cashin went off with the body hilariously the Wheelans would later deny that anyone was in their pub on Christmas Day Mm -hmm. like give it up Um, amazingly Cashin was never asked to make a statement and obviously never volunteered one but his wife did and shock horror gave him an airtight alibi I mean obviously like as much as he pisses her off like in terms of him throwing the jocks around she's not going to throw him on the bus, is she? So which guy he's is has got a this? car. This like oh, this is a teacher. The teacher. So the wife is like, oh, he's with me all night. Yes. Mm, blah, blah, blah. But uh, as I said, look, she's not going to throw him under the bus when he is, he's like loaded. he's got a car. He's
3: loaded. Hello. Exactly. Come
2: on. Owned, Owen O'Duffy was the general commissioner. Owen oh, no, Duffy, I know that Gener- name. Yeah, you do. General Owen O'Duffy was a big blue shirt. Yeah, he was. And he was commissioner of Angora to I often think that Enda Kenny is Owen O'Duffy's spirit animal. Oh, yeah? Even though Enda does seem like a bit of crack. A friend of mine met him in Donny Nesbitt's a couple of years ago on Christmas Eve and she got a couple of lovely selfies and he really did come across as a fun kid.
3: Come here, who's the minister for the um, environment?
2: I'm really bad. Do you know what? The only ministers I know are the ones that are fucking up left, right and centre. Like Owen Murphy. I don't know.
3: Anyway, I saw this minister in the button factory a couple of nights. Yeah. He's like an old man and he was uh, he was in there drinking.
2: Oh, do you know who it probably was? Was no. it Pascal Donahue? No, it started with an M. Because, you know, they wheel out Pascal Donahue Fine Gael, as like, he, you know, he keeps us young. And it's just because he's got a Spotify account. They're oh, like, right. this is a really fun kid. We've got in our hands.
3: <laughs> okay. See, I don't know anything about politics. I'm going
2: to retract saying that Enda oh, Kenny is Owen Dunphy. De, yeah, Owen you're basically calling him a Nazi Yeah, I sh- I'm going to totally retract that. Yeah. Um, because I actually, I'm kind of, I have a fondness, friend. I just think the vulnerability. Do you remember so when they were shirt. looking to oust him? And he said he was down in the basement with the other Fine Gael heads. And he was saying, I just got a text from my son saying they don't deserve you, dad. And someone's like, Enda, we don't have phone coverage down here. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't there a lovely vulnerability to that?
3: No, that's just being a f- fucking... Politician lying your ass off in a tight situation, just yeah, trying to squeeze a of anything.
2: Yeah, that's true. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment.
2: So, Ono Duffy, who we know as a bit of a blue shirt, i.e., the blue shirt. Mr. Was blue the commis- Shirt. Mr. Blue Shirt, thank you. Was the commissioner of Vanguard to and was also the leader of the Irish contingent. He went off to Spain to fight for General Franco in nice. the Spanish Civil War.
3: I never knew that he became the leader of the guards.
2: Yeah, and he was. So, like, great idea to put a fascist in as commissioner of the guard to I think it was a sign of things to come. Yeah. Uh, so, he was. He was a serious little fella, let's just say that. Uh so he, he wasn't
3: took, a nice guy to have around at a party. Is he what wasn't chill. He wasn't chilled. Okay. He he
2: was the one freaking uh you know, he was the one freaking about the state of the glass. Like kind oh. like you want me to drink out of a cup.
3: okay, yeah. He and he made you put Ned coasters. Marisleaf. Does he make you put coasters in his house? Use coasters? Oh,
2: I'd say coaster.com, even though we don't like Ned, because he did kill a man and also he did buy around a drink with I know it was an accidental killing. But he did he buy stole a the guy's drink money. With, yeah, which I just don't think is no, very that's sound. Not, is that's it? probably
3: worse than actually n- n- killing him.
2: Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, like, it was a bit of a push and a shove uh, situation. Uh, but then he anyone. did dispose the body, which we don't like either. Yeah. Um, but they didn't
3: want to be caught drinking. so.
2: I know, but it's just, it's, yeah, I mean, look, I guess it will be a bit of a... Put it, yourself it, in Ned's situation. Tricky. Yeah, it'll be gonna tricky. Gonna do? Do. Odilphy oh, took personal charge and supervision of the investigation. The case was a huge media story. Odilphy oh, made the extreme decision which Do you know What I would have done. What would you have done, Shane?
3: <laughs> I would have, let's say I hit the guy. He falls, bangs his head. Yeah. Uh, I would put him on his bike, leave him up against the wall, and put oh. a little note on him saying, "Hi, I fell, fell banged my head and died."
2: <laughs> no, I mean, don't that's ask. That's kind of bulletproof, isn't exactly, it exactly? Yeah. And you know what? I think the guards would have been. Happy they would have been because all
3: the guards would have said, "Yeah, case closed.
2: Case closed." Um, we that there. Yes, no the
3: guards were involved. Do you know in the what the problem was?
2: Was that there was no one from tree working actually uh, at the time?
3: See. That's what they should have got someone in from truly. You're Trudy.
2: fucking right. It would have just. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely what this is missing. Um, so he took personal charge. Was uh made the extreme decision, which is actually mad when you think about it, to transfer the whole guard station in Strabully got transferred to Dublin. What? Yeah, and later on, two of the guards would be charged with Larry Griffin's murder. Uh, so basically in in January 1930 uh, they arrested Cashin and Marsey they were also charged with murder and disposing of the body of Larry Griffin Cashin replied to the charges by stating I was not out of my house after 4pm that day and both denied involvement uh, then a couple of days later the entire Wheelan family was also arrested George Cummins and Patrick C- Cunningham were there uh, at the in the pub on Christmas days so they were also arrested the whole family yeah, along with Garda Delay and Garda Murphy, which is just mad. They were all charged with murder and conspiring to dispose of a dead body. And they all insisted on their innocence. So come
3: here, How? what proof did they have?
2: Well, James Fitzgerald had named everyone who was in the pub that day and he was re- in, He was regarded as an important, important witness. So it's kind of generally accepted that he gave the guards the information okay. they needed as to what happened. He was actually put into kind of a guard, a protection program, which obviously was kind of unheard of at the time. And the searches for the bodies were, in, for the body was like the search was seriously full on they looked at copper mine shafts um they looked at beaches they dug up fields they like literally were they just excavated absolutely everywhere they got this diver from Liverpool uh, who hilariously got freaked out at how deep the water was and he refused to <laughs> dive in so yeah. he was kind of more of a snorkeler
3: Oh, really. Really?
2: Uh, so, you know, fond of now Lilo. So he rocked up with his iron bands. And but his he was little like, thing
3: that barely goes out over the water, his little <laughs> he snorkel. Was like, I'm
2: not going in there. So, I mean, look, maybe they threw him in the sea, but certainly in terms of a land search, they did everything they possibly could have. Um, So all the guards who'd served at Strapoli where the murder occur- occurred, as I said, have been transferred to Dublin with Commissioner O'Duffy. And I always immediately think like Team America when I, I, I kind of read anything about Owen Duffy was hell-bent on breaking one one or more of them. And Superintendent Harry O'Mara later gave an account of the interviews. They were questioned, coaxed, abused and a round ebony stick was brought into play in such a cruel manner that the yells could be heard across the Phoenix Park. A round
3: ebony stick.
2: I know. What is that, I wonder? A truncheon. And I'll and I'd say. Uh, yeah. Oh, Duffy I also, also interviewed them and later both. Good
3: vibrations shot good, down. Good, I
2: know it did sound a bit <laughs> sexual. Uh, yeah,
3: around. Around Ebony, round ebony steak. steak, it's
2: just a bit. It's a big porn hub, to be honest. Yeah, it is. I think that's probably a, What's a itself. The old porn hub. Uh, I just go on it for research every okay. now and again. And I'm going to
3: type in round ebony stick tonight I, and know see what, what comes I'd up. Say
2: you, I'd say you get a fright. Oh, uh, <laughs> o- Duffy also interviewed them and later posted, I promised them with promotion if they assisted and with dismissal and murder charges if they didn't. So look, oh, Duffy wasn't playing.
3: No. And this guy is... He's a fascist.
2: He, he was in,
3: he was in uh, fascist Spain. He's, he's learned a he's, thing or two about torture.
2: He's eaten some chorizo he in has. his time. Uh, the guards weren't for turning and he didn't, and basically none of them cracked. After Otilfi had directed O'Mara to arrest the two guards, he was politely informed by O'Mara that if he was to do that, he would be put, put in a really awkward position because the guards could say, Uh, that basically he had tortured them. Uh, So uh, O'Duffy was like, okay, fair enough. So he got someone else to arrest them. And then O'Duffy started to panic. And as a last-ditch attempt, he went to the Bishop of Waterford and he was like, look, could you ask people to give us a bit of help here? Um, And O'Duffy had been informed. So he was really hands-on. He had been informed by a nun in Strapoli. Uh, She said, look, Tommy Corbett, who had been in the pub that night, knew the whole story. So O'Duffy... Why did he ask the bishop? So, the, well, of course, like they're all Catholic. Yeah. So, he, his idea was that they were not cooperating. Nobody was cooperating with the guards, bar this James Fitzgerald guy. Oh. So, he was like, We need more people to come forward because we can't establish what exactly happened and we need to find a body. So, why did they get the bishop? The bishop well, I guess. The so they will talk to the bishop. Yeah, so that he'd have a bit of influence. Ah. Um, But, anyway, so the, he convinced the bishop to do that. He was initially very reluctant, but he convinced him to do it. And this nun said, If you want the story, you need to go to Tommy Corbett, so Duffy was on it, and he was like, "Okay, we need to get it out of Corbett." Um, so they basically, like, poor old Tommy Corbett, then was massively harassed by the guards and kind of like. Well, I mean, he knew who, the who murdered somebody. I guess or he was I, well, in the room. Yeah, I guess, and I suppose the whole kind of uh, r- rules and regulation regarding torture and all that is fairly recent. Oh phenomenon. yeah,
3: back in the twenties, it was it was okay to torture Yeah, people.
2: I'd say it probably was kind Especially of just there was a bishop
3: involved, you know. Ah, yeah. The they, bishop
2: was like, we need to get this info. I know. Bishop, well, We have to do an old joke about a bishop at some stage yes. in the podcast. February 7th, 1930, all ten defendants charged with murder, ten of them, appeared at Waterford District Court. The main witness was, of course, James when Fitzgerald. My,
3: sorry, no. When my mother uh, got knocked up with me,
0: oh.
3: uh, she was... Twenty, but they obviously weren't married, and uh, she went home to my or to her mother and said, "I don't want to get married to the guy." And she said, "Oh, that's fine. You don't have to. You don't have to. that's fine." And that's then, amazing. Yeah, and then she went to sleep, and the next day she woke up, and the bishop uh, was in the house.
2: Shut the fuck yeah, up! And
3: said "Look, now you have to do the right thing."
2: The actual bishop. The actual
3: bishop, yeah. So you have to do the right thing. So then she married Shh. married my father. Yeah, my my grandmother had. Panicked, gone to the the bishop.
2: She made an emergency made call. emergency call. But I mean, Hi. that's skipping a lot of sca- steps. Like she's like, "I'm going to the top." Oh, here. you don't
3: know my name. I don't even want to she talk about straight it. Straight,
2: she got straight onto yeah. the bishop. And mm-hmm. um, your mom and dad were these? Are they still married? Oh God, no. Okay, yeah. Because <laughs> I was gonna say, it's not really, it's not really the foundation for a marriage no, that you'd want. Because
3: I remember when I was about nine, I, uh, do you know, because you learn when you're a kid that sex. And babies, sorry, come from love. Are somehow
2: related?
3: No, no. I realized that later, but we knew uh, that love and marriage—you know—a baby comes from a marriage. So then I was in my—it was about maybe nine or ten—and I was thinking, wait a minute. I was born in February, and they were—they were were married in the previous September. So I was like, that's one, two, three, four, five months, and I was like, first I thought I was four months premature you know they yeah. lied to me yeah. but then I realised <laughs> so so it was like a
2: you little magical miracle yeah
3: exactly yeah and then the bishop made them get married pretty much and it was probably the worst decision in the well, history of marriage
2: it, it, I mean it was just so, and you see like the thing is people forget like that is so recent
3: oh yeah that was, I'm, I'm sure I'm 22
2: do you know what I so, mean? Like that was like we're talking, you're a millennium <laughs> baby shape.
3: <laughs> or it was the mid eighties. But so. it is
2: mad though, isn't it? Like that mm. they had that kind of power. Oh, and yeah. people were and even like they had the power in terms of people would rock up and say, I want to call my baby X, Y, and Z and they'd be like, No, yeah. that's not what you're calling yeah. the child. Yeah. It is uh, but isn't it insane how within a generation
3: that everything has changed? It's just Tenure you wouldn't get away with murdering a postman but in a you know pub on a Christmas y- day these days. you
2: feckin wouldn't uh, you certainly wouldn't but it is not I often think kind of reminds me if you know if you look at like say the Anglo-Irish like the, the change within their lifetime uh, like kind of you know older people of mm-hmm. a certain generation but like you, you rock up to these castles and stuff and I mean their position is just non-existent now
3: what? Who the hell are you talking about?
2: Well, like I can remember, I was staying in um, Castle Leslie. I I spent a night there a few weeks ago, and remember, like back in the day, sure they would have been like running the show?
3: Who the Anglo Irish? Yeah, I never met an Anglo Irish man in my life. I
2: didn't meet any when I was there, but like it is, it is mad. Where the hell now. is Castle Leslie? It's in Monaghan. It's so fancy. Yeah. It's where Paul McCartney got married and apparently Tommy got married there as well. Which I didn't why realize. were you there? Don't mind me asking. I was there. I was fucking delighted because Ardle I was spo- supporting Ardle ah, okay. and he booked me in for the night and I was like, oh my God, I just can never go back to real life now.
3: Yeah, that sounds amazing.
2: But I did and I'm fine. But no, but I just mean it's interesting all these historical changes.
3: So wait a minute, you're doing shows around Ireland staying in castles.
2: It was one night <laughs> I'm staying in the, Jesus.
3: the back of a hostel. I can't even afford a room in the ah, hostel or a bed. I'm staying in the toilet.
2: I usually stay in an old hostel. Yeah. I have to say. Joe, so what I, I think is sad,
3: when I was going around Europe when I was about 21, and if there was a guy in his 30s. So last year? Yeah. If there was a guy <laughs> in his 30s in the hostel, I used to be thinking, what went wrong in his yeah. life? Yeah. And now it's. I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm that yeah, guy. I know you're that guy. I
2: do. I hate being the old bitch mm. in the hostel. But you, I think it is bad shame that you are still sleeping in the nude, even yes. in that shared accommodation oh my station. Goodness.
3: I have a thing where when I'm asleep in the middle of the night, my pants come off. Right, my underpants.
2: Are you messing?
3: No, I'm not joking. It's just a thing.
2: Do you, but are you conscious when you're doing no,
3: it? No, no, of course not. So uh, I often wake. Not so much now, but when do I do, you
2: sleep <laughs> alone.
3: No. No, I'll see with my girlfriend. Do
2: you think, but it, w- it would happen when you're on your own? Oh, yeah, it's just, as well. I think okay, it's just so a comfort it's definitely thing. definitely
3: you? Yeah, it's, oh, it's definitely me, okay. my, if you knew my girlfriend. She's not taking off my underpants pants in the middle of the night. Come on, Julie. she would be disgusted when she hears this. My God, what till I tell her? Um, <laughs> but no, no, so in hostels, I, it has happened where I've woken up with no pants on outside the blankets.
2: Because you get too hot. Yeah,
3: probably. And one time uh, in where was it? I think it was in Hungary, Budapest, maybe. And name drop. An American guy went. uh, What the hell was going on with you last night? And I was like, "What?" And he goes,
2: "It's always the American who can't handle what's going on in the dorm." And
3: he said, uh, "I woke up. I looked over to your bed. I thought, is that that guy's fucking balls in my
2: face?" (laughs) 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 Yeah. Were you uh, in a bottom bunk or a top bunk? Top. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> so were your balls just literally hanging oh, down? Yeah. over the bunk.
3: Over the bunk, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's the way my balls hang. But. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's a problem that I have. In well, hostels. I'm a
2: big fan. That's why I'm a big fan of the old bottom bunk. Cause drop a towel over that bad boy, and you've got a room. Oh, well, that's true, actually. Yeah, a lot of privacy in a bottom yeah, bunk.
3: Yeah, yeah. One time there was I was staying in a hostel with like it was like a six bed. Uh, room
2: and you know I th- my issue with the six bed is it's too intimate mm,
3: very intimate and there was four I'm,
2: I'm actually a bit more of a fa- like I think a ten bed dorm everyone can do their own yeah. thing but a six bed dorm it's like we're in it together yeah. and we have to have the chats
3: oh I hate having the chats in the dorm
2: oh but you have to in a six bed as for a four bed sure you're practically crawling yeah, into you're... the bed with them
3: but there was four like four or five gorgeous French girls staying in the hostel but anyway, yeah, I remember waking up. Actually, woke up before them. Thank God, completely naked.
2: And it's. Do you think what it, is it? Is it the maybe the texture? Is it the clothing you find restrictive?
3: Yes, yeah, <laughs> because I usually sleep completely nude anyway.
2: Even in winter. Shane? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose most men are probably a bit. I don't know if it an Irish thing, but in all the movies, you know, you see the dads in their PJs. But yeah. most men are just in their little jocks, aren't they?
3: I wear my girlfriend's pyjamas. Do you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
2: is it because it's lighter material?
3: No, just because I don't have my own one. And then I take that off layer by layer through the night in my sleep.
2: Wow. Yeah. OK, so you're just kind of <laughs> shedding like a oh, snake. She-
3: yeah, yeah. It's crazy, actually, because I don't know how it happens.
2: I wonder because I find I generally I would generally get too hot in the bed, yeah. so I do a lot of like as in just as in disposing of the the quilt and all that kind of crap. But I very rarely actually strip off. I'm I'm usually when I wake up I'm usually minus any kind of cover. Okay. Um, but I am I I'm quite a warm. No, I'm creature. always under
3: the cover, but completely. Yeah, naked. you
2: see, maybe what would be more pleasant for me, and what I'm thinking is. If I take off the pajamas, but I I leave myself with a cover.
3: Yeah, There's why don't something you do that?
2: Quite sad about me just lying.
3: lying there in your pajamas. <laughs> that is pathetic.
2: And Fred frightened this little <laughs> Um That's interesting. I used to, in my single get days. Um, you know, when you it'd be like a mixed bed dorm. I'd be like, can you just put me when I was in Australia and a few few nights I'd be on my own, depending on like where I where I would be. Um, but I would say, can you just put me in with like an all male? Yeah, just to increase my chances.
3: No way, really. I never scored. Oh my god, that's that's terrible.
2: I know. Carry on. I know. I wouldn't recommend it, guys. It's not that, like Tinder. Just use Tinder. Uh, okay, so uh, yeah, so basically, they had James Fitzgerald at this court at this trial, and he uh, was basically the entire case.
3: The guy who originally was saying that everyone yeah. was there
2: and Mr. Finley, who was, was the prosecutor this, can I ask
3: you a question was this course. the same guy who was looking at everyone going in the back door no
2: that was John Power. So where's he? Well, sure, no. where are any of them? Uh, so 10 of them have been charged. So yeah. the Whelans, two guards, Cash and Morrissey, a couple of other people. He could have been one of the lads charged. I don't know, but it was like a load of the people there were charged. Half the Pope was charged. Oh, my God. Um, and then basically they weren't that impressed, this prosecutor, with uh, Fitzgerald, because obviously in the interim, he'd probably had a bit of a chat with himself and said, I don't know, is it a good idea if I testify against 10 people, including a couple of guards. Uh, So he said, look, let's just adjourn this. So he adjourned it till February and then it was adjourned again till March. And in March, the prosecutor told the judge that he'd sought the adjournments in the hope that the body would have been found, which of course it had not been. And he said, look, because we don't have a body, he said we actually have to tr- we have to drop the charges against all of the accused because no we way. can't charge them for murder because there's no body. There's no
3: body, there's no proof.
2: And weirdly, well I think it's weird, um the courthouse like lost its mind and there was a rapturous applause. Like everyone was like Delighted oh, yeah? that all these people were getting off, which I think's very inconsiderate. P- the
3: poor old postman's family, were they yes, not of there? Of
2: course, like the mo- like his wife and kids were like, what the fuck?
3: Yeah, but who back in those days, I suppose, seen a teacher going to jail or a guard? Well,
2: yeah, like it, they probably felt that, and obviously then you've got the entire family and the pub were on trial as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. So maybe that's why people were like, oh yes, uh, you know, this is the right decision, James Fitzgerald. Uh, like obviously had pleaded ignorance, and he kind of I guess when he took the stand, maybe the whole weight of the thing kind of got him, and he was like, "I can't do this." Um, so it wasn't over. In March, uh, in March that year, a conference was obviously had at Guard HQ to discuss it. O'Duffy, oh, because this was his personal project, told the superintendent O'Mara, Harry O'Mara down in Waterford, to dig up all the recent graves in the area, which is really mad. Isn't it? What? Yeah. He said anything that looks like a fresh... Because they had searched everywhere, Shane. Yeah. So he was like, the only place we haven't looked are actual graves. Graves. So maybe they threw him in with someone else.
3: That's actually a good idea if they did do, do you that. I think so. Yeah. Who's going to bury it? I mean.
2: Oh, as in if they had if done they, it. If they had
3: uh, hidden the body. Do you know what? Now that you're it's saying actually, it's probably a good place actually, to graveyard.
2: Actually, now that you're saying it probably yeah. is. I hadn't, I hadn't actually thought of that. Um, what is it with Trini people always talking about graveyards? But anyway, uh, <laughs> O'Mara saw this as grotesque and unnecessary. But Odo was like, "You either do it, or he threatened him with the ultimate threat, which was transfer to Donny Oh Christ! I mean, nobody wants that, do yeah, they? No. P.S. Love you, Donny Gold. But real talk. Okay, so the graves and coffins were—they actually opened the coffins. Yeah. Research no trace of Griffin's body. Um,
3: but how long after this is the... After Christmas is this?
2: Well, so this was like a year later. Like, it's all very fast-paced.
3: Yeah, but I mean, is the body... Would, would they be able to tell whose body it is after a year? Oh,
2: I wonder. Actually, you know? That's a very good question. They these uniforms still on. Do you know what? They were probably just looking for the hat.
3: a <laughs> bag of letters. Well, they
2: didn't find the... <laughs> God. Anyway, so look, this new fella came along that O'Duffy appointed called Superintendent Hunt. I mean, what a good name. And this guy basically landed into strappling. He was like, I'm going to crack this and he pissed everyone off straight away. So the priest was the one he was like, listen, would you ever fuck off? Because he kept calling in, like, asking for information and he'd, like, take James Fitzgerald um, on the beer and, like, just basically get him pissed and say, look, would you just... Tell would me. you just tell me what happened he was like um, Clumbo kind of guy yeah and then of course Tommy Corbett came out and he said I was also he was the lad that the nun said oh he knows the whole story he said well I was also abused by the guards and O'Duffy was like this is just a fucking shit show fucking hell so basically, O'Mara, uh, he was the guy in charge in Waterford, and O'Duffy was his boss. He went up to Dublin, and O'Duffy was like, "I can't believe you did this to all these people! Like you tortured them and all this kind of crack. And he's like, "You were the one who told <laughs> me to do that, you mad bastard!" And then he said, "You mad bastard." Well, they they had like a really heated exchange. And uh, James Fitzgerald said, oh shit, sure. the only reason I had said all this was because O'Mara had a gun on the table when I was doing the interview and that's why I gave all this information. Ah. It was a false statement, blah, blah, blah. So in Garda HQ, um, uh, basically they had a big fight, O'Duffy and O'Mara, and he said, O'Duffy said, you either shut the fuck up and get out or... I'm going to have you arrested. The whole thing was a shit show. And uh, at a confirmation ceremony then, a couple of weeks after this, the bishop told the congregation, I came here today, today not to denounce anybody, but having discussed the sorry affair with my fellow bishops, I have to hang my head in shame. Is it possible that whether the postman is alive or dead, nobody knows anything about him? I think not. And he appealed to the parishioners to do the right thing, which... To be honest now, at the time, this is very surprising, nobody did.
3: Nobody came forward.
2: Nobody came forward. So the Whelan Slater took Uh, Oh, civil proceedings against O'Duffy and the other guards and they were awarded 17, like 1700 euro, well 1700 pounds at the time and uh, they also took a couple of newspapers to court for defamation and other civil proceedings followed which were all kind of successful which I find surprising because like they were obviously in on it to some extent and like what's really, really mad about this case is that when you think about it there were 20 people in that pub, 20 people, and none of them cracked. None? Despite, none. Despite being kept in custody. And this is what I find totally mad. So they were actually, these 10 people, who were up for trial, but even the other 10 that were present. So the 10 that were up for trial were kept separately from their co-defendants for five weeks. Okay. They were interrogated, questioned, relentlessly. Nobody cracked. Nobody
3: cracked. Oh, man. Isn't that cr- insane, yeah, Shane? I, would, I, I know I would crack. Within have cracked. an hour,
2: I'd oh, cry. Yeah. like I'm just not the person to no, bring into that situation. No. But imagine that none of them cracked.
3: Yeah, that's crazy.
2: Uh, at least 20, anyway, were there and, as I said, none of them cracked. The investigation the collapse of the trial was raised in the Dole in 1931, so the year later. And Minister for Justice, Mr Fitzgerald Kennedy, informed the House that, obviously, the main issue had been the deceit of the guards initially. And, obviously, then, the guards investigating after the fact, it was just a fucking shit show. Like, it was just totally it was over zealous well, they
3: were obviously trying to hide the fact that the guards were involved themselves so it was a bit of a fucking
2: yeah it was just insane and then when the minister was asked if he was aware that the whole parish was under the unproved charge of murder the minister replied no I am not and the government refused requests for an official inquiry the case has never been solved Larry Griffin's body has never been found and until the day the day they died, nobody ever came forward to tell authorities what had actually happened. And I got a lot of information from that one uh, by uh, from an article by Pat Flynn in The Independent, which was a really, really good article. And Pat Flynn uh, was a superintendent as well uh, back in the day. So he was a guard himself. And he also wrote a great uh, book on Catherine and Friends Inside the Investigation into Ireland's Most Notorious Murder, which is a very good read. And that is uh, obviously about Catherine Nevin. Uh, so the great well, article by Pat Flynn. He was from Stratford himself. Uh, He's Str- from Waterford. Which
3: Stradvally? Oh, the Waterford one.
2: Yeah, and also I watched that great documentary Kerr, uh, which is available. It's Askewga, but it's got subtitles. It's on YouTube. Um, but that is the case of the missing postman, Where is he? <laughs> do you,
3: what do you think happened?
2: Well, I would say the true went into the sea. Yeah, but then I think with tides and stuff, yeah. would he not tr- turn up?
3: He would have washed up. Yeah.
2: I mean obviously the Ned Morrissey like I think people it would generally be accepted. Like, you know, accidents happen and it was an accidental death. But I do find it very interesting, the gang mentality that one person says, Look, we'll just get rid of the body
3: And they all went Which is
2: insane. But the big the main reason to hide the body was
3: that they're they were afraid that they'd get caught drinking on Christmas Day.
2: Well, there was an element to that, but I think a lot of people had things to fear because they shouldn't have been open in the first instance. Yeah, but
3: the guards are You're in the whole. You're t- talking
2: about the upper echelons of society are in there. Oh, yeah. Have you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They did not want to be. I suppose they didn't want their reputations to be muddied with a fairly sordid debt. Yeah, you know, being in a pub on the piss. Like, it's it's a sordid situation. Like, some... I mean, I know you're just thinking of, like, ebony sticks or whatever over there. <laughs> yeah. But, like, get that out of your head, Shane. Ebony... Okay?
3: Round ebony sticks, yeah.
2: A round ebony stick. But what I find just... I mean, so much of it I find mad. But essentially, that kind of solidarity between them, that they were like, well, yeah, look... None of it. Like, how did they come up with something that night that would have persisted over time, over many interrogations and nobody cracked? I mean, it's Maybe insane. Maybe none of them did
3: anything. Maybe he just left and fucked off to London. don't
2: you know ah, I mean? no, I Why don't not? think so. He wouldn't have left the bike, would he?
3: Oh, he's already going to cycle over to, to uh, across the sea, you People
2: know. People do it, Shane. People do it every day. Uh, Shane Clifford do you have anything you'd like to plug no no. oh no Shane look we need to talk about self-promotion here
3: um, yeah I don't have anything to plug well okay
2: just to say in case you don't know Shane is fucking hilarious uh, deemed by blind boy no less to be the funniest comedian in Ireland oh yeah stroke best comedian in Ireland Okay, Shane. Uh, own it, own it. So he is absolutely hilarious. I would recommend checking him out on uh, social media. I would say Facebook, but who's on that now? Yeah, nobody's on Instagram, Facebook. Only old Twitter. Ladies. Your Twitter is hilarious. Oh, yeah? Say. Do you check him out. What's your Twitter handle?
3: Oh, I can't remember. No, it's... um Sh-
2: Shane Sh- Clifford, is it? No, it's just Shane. Brilliant Shane?
3: Brilliant Shane, yeah.
2: Brilliant Shane. Yeah, okay, so Brilliant it. Shane. Do you check him out. Do you have any gigs coming up? No. No I uh, yeah, must have something. No,
3: I don't. I do a lot of open mics.
2: Oh so. yeah, they're great. Which what would be your favorite spot now to do an oh open mic? Oh my god! I mic-ing? mean, if
3: you know anything about open mics, they're all terrible. But, but that's <laughs>
2: what the fun of them.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, there's a lovely one in Ansha on Tuesday nights that I do lovely. called Camden Open Mic or something like that.
2: Fantastic! Yeah,
3: and I do that and I uh, watch everybody die.
2: But you know what? I'm. Um, you know what I love is that nobody it's so not supportive. Like nobody's no, cheering nobody's, you on. That's no. what, I just love it's the vicious. cutthroat nature nature y- yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. It's vicious. It appeals it appeals to you. Okay. Yes. Um so Shane, you've been an absolute joy. Thank you so much. I mean, I was gonna ask you what you thought happened to the man, but yeah. you've given your response. Yeah. Which is th- you think I think he London
3: went to London because he Living was so his afraid. best life? Yes, in Soho uh I've never been to London so I don't even know what Soho is but that's where I think he went with uh, because he was in trouble too if you think about it because his wife first of all he didn't deliver any letters. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's
2: a big no-no. I mean that's kind of step. it's rudimentary isn't it really when you're a postman. You're a postman
3: and he was on it was Christmas Day he was supposed to be delivering letters. Who's delivering letters? That's fishy in the first place. Yeah. He said to his wife oh I'm working today Christmas Day. And you know what he went to the pub Instead, uh, I don't trust his postman. Maybe at all. he
2: just, maybe he went to the pub and he was like, fuck, I can't go home to her now. I'm pissed. I've been on the lash too I'm long. I'm going to go to London. So did he just keep the session going and move to London?
3: Moved to London, yeah, and he never came back.
2: Well, I'd like to think that's what happened.
3: Yeah. Actually, um... Is this the end? Is it over?
2: No, throw it an out. No, no,
3: no. This, I think, this should be shouldn't be on it.
2: No, so this is the end, is what <laughs> okay, you're saying. Yeah. Would you want to keep this on it?
3: No, no. I was going to tell you something funny that happened in Chile. That's probably a bit too dark.
2: Oh no! But do send it's not like this is a crime podcast. Yeah, but no,
3: but this isn't. Okay, that this funny. is what
2: because you know what I want to tell you who the hairdresser was as oh, well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. look, guys, yeah. I'm sorry if you do wanna if you do wanna find out um, what we're about to talk about. Like you're gonna have to pay extra, guys. I'm sorry because yeah. um, you don't get that shit for free.
3: If they um, get onto my Twitter, they can DM me and I'll. Oh,
2: nice! I'd make a slide, little video slide into Brilliant yeah, Shane's yeah. DMs. Ten euro. I've been Sheena Chay. Uh,
3: Shane. I've been Shane Clifford.
2: And this has been Crime Nut.
3: This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.